Fakir and Sabira Sheikh Only on the Voice of the Cape. As promised, 14 after 7 o'clock, job creation, a focus on innovation and recovering the economy is the clear picture for the year ahead, said Western Cape Premier Alan Wende as he outlined the state of the province address yesterday. Um, the province has lost about 270,000 jobs last year, according to Premier, and they created about 37,000 in the third quarter. Now, these, amongst many other points, have come across in the state of the nation address yesterday by Premier Alan Wende um, as he addressed uh, the province in Joining us this morning, uh, Premier Alan Wendy, good morning and thank you so much for your time. Good morning, thank you very much, great to be with you. Premier, there were many things that came out of the State of the Nation address yesterday and I'm sure there were a few things that many also looked forward to and uh, we want to start off, for example, with uh, the um, the vaccine rollout that took place yesterday uh, here in the province, if we can, if, if I can ask you to comment on that and then also just to tie that in, you know, with the, with, uh, the Western Cape still wanting to procure its own vaccine. So, uh, yeah, really good news yesterday. I mean, uh, specifically after we got the news that the AstraZeneca vaccines were not uh, were not uh, successful against the strain of the virus that we have in our country. Um, and so, you know, that was, uh, that was devastating when we got that news. Um, but now the vaccine, will, uh, we must be careful. It's, it's not the full rollout because, of course, what we're doing now is, is the vaccines that our healthcare workers are getting are part of the final stages of stage three of the trial of Johnson & Johnson vaccine. But uh, really, you know, we, we've been ready for this now for a while and uh, good to see that uh, it started. So our frontline workers are, are receiving the vaccines. We've only got uh, um, about 1,000, no, sorry, we've got 13,000 uh, vaccines. Uh, we've got 130,000 frontline workers. So it's still a bit to go, but uh, it's a great start. Um, and, of course, we know that we've got a third wave coming probably in as our winter starts. And uh, we've got to try to get as many vaccines into the system as possible. Um, the national government uh, are procuring them, but what we have said is we will also look to procuring ourselves. So two weeks ago, our cabinet agreed that uh, we could do it. And we've got a procurement team that are now also making calls. But, of course, what we can only procure is something that is approved. So we are looking at, at manufacturers and seeing whether we can procure extra. Uh, at the moment in South Africa, we, we're depending on which vaccine it is, because some of them are two doses and some of them are one-dose vaccines. Um, but at the moment, uh, most two are two doses, and uh, we've got about 40 million vaccines, uh, vaccine doses too short on the national procurement list. So that's why we're saying, well, we must try and help however we can to, to get those numbers up. Mm. Uh, we've got to make yeah. sure that we, we give everyone an opportunity uh, in our province to, to get a vaccination. Mm, morning, Premier. So just in terms of, you know, procuring those vaccines, you know, how different is the Western Cape strategy compared to national? So the rollout strategy will be the same. I mean, we've got to, we've, that's no, number one of the four-pronged approach. Um, we need to make sure that we can roll out vaccines to, um, you know, make sure we get to that nearly uh, 60, uh, 70% of our population. Um, and so that's quite a feat in itself. We've seen that uh, many first world countries have really worked hard at it and it's not been that easy. Um, I think we've got a really good plan. That means that every village and town across our province, uh, we've got a plan for, for them. Uh, and that, that plan now is on the website. Anybody can go and have a look at it. 
Um, then as part of that plan, we've got to make sure that we've got a, what, a, a sort of oversight committees in place. We've got, uh, we've got uh, fridge systems to keep the cold chain going. Uh, we've got the vaccination cards. We've got the, the, the sort of monitoring and management e-platform. So that's a very sort of complex, but uh, I think pretty, pretty slick operation that, uh, that the province has put together. Mm. Then the second part of the part of this uh, four-pronged approach will be that if there's a shortfall in vaccines, we will top up that shortfall. And our, and our procurement team is already out there making those calls to those companies. Um, I was doing it beforehand, just uh, you know, almost doing research. Are we able to, speaking to people? Yes, they could supply us, but of course, as a politician, I can't be involved in procurement. So that that is now within the procurement team's uh, ambit. Um, and then uh, we've also got to do mitigation for for the third wave. So we've got to keep making sure we've got sufficient PPE and got sufficient beds in place and oxygen in place for for a third wave. Um, and then uh, on from a fourth point of view is also to continue pushing for alternative um, uh, therapeutics, uh, other medicine medicines that could be used. We 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 were sort of upfront when it came to dexamethasone and how many lives that saved. I think the high pressure and oxygen there. And uh, so we also just continuing to work in that environment. And uh, we've had an engagement with SAPRA uh, to see where those pipelines are, uh, what kind of medicines are being trialed. And uh, I mean, I also said that uh, yesterday that uh, the University of Stellenbosch, along with the University of Cape Town, are busy with a trial on um, ivermectin because a lot of people asking questions about ivermectin. But of course, Everything we do, we base it on the science, and it's got to be approved. Even the vaccine, if we're going to buy a vaccine, we can only buy an approved vaccine. Mm. Now, Premier, also one thing that came out um, you know, in the state of the province address yesterday is that you made it very clear that the province will be working um, you know, very closely with national government and according to the guidelines of national government in, in procuring um, its own vaccine in the Western Cape. But how will this be financed? We'll have to finance it. So when our Minister of Finance uh, talks about it, he, which will now be you know, shortly the, the finance budget comes out, uh, first nationally and then straight after that our provincial one, uh, we, have to make, uh, we have to make budget allocations for vaccines just as we do for PPE or, or you know, for any other health product. Uh, it is our constitutional mandate, is the health and wellness of our citizens. So um, it will just be exactly the same space. But you know, we're going we're gonna to have to put money aside for it and uh, it will be in as part of our budget process. Mm. And then also corruption, uh, Premier, you came down very hard yesterday in the state, uh, state of the province address where you said that you yourself will be laying criminal charges against any person in or out of government that tries to steal from people, speaking about you know um, corruption that won't be to- tolerated in the province. Absolutely. I mean, I think it is, you know, if you analyse uh, where we are in our country, you know, we've got a couple of real, you know, this is called about the state of the nation or the state of the province. We've got some real big issues that we have to deal with overall as a, as citizens and as a region. Um, you know, we, we know that uh, in our country, corruption is a, is a big problem. Uh, we pride ourselves in the province of having open, transparent government, getting sort of good governance records. But, uh, you know, in big organizations, you, you never know and you've got to continue to check for it, uh, we've got all of our internal audit processes, etc. Um, but uh, and and I mean, we, I think we've got to change mindsets. People see these these uh, processes like procurement of vaccines. Is this now an opportunity to get my fingers in the till? Well, just as with PPE, we we produce a report on every single 
item that we buy, at what price and from whom. We'll be doing the same thing with the, with the vaccine rollout. So we'll put a report out which vaccines, where they come from. Um, even if they come from national, that we've got vaccines into the system, then uh, there were gloves and needles and fridges. And, you know, there was a, there was a whole rollout. Uh, across the province of the vaccines, you know, we'll just make that absolutely transparent. And it's also just a clear warning to people in our government and uh, that work with our government that uh, don't take a chance in this province because we need to root this out. Mm. Now, Mr. Wendy, of course, you spoke about the Community Economic Recovery Plan as well. Um, But, you know, I'm sure many want to know, especially those that have lost jobs in the tourism sector, you know, what is being done to support the hundreds of travel agencies, tour guides, um, hotels and other hospitality businesses that have had to close down? How is the province supporting those small and medium businesses? Absolutely. And I mean, um, you know, of all the sectors, I, I praise the agricultural sector, you say, because they've done amazingly well despite, you know, the, the, the COVID-19 environment we find ourselves in. Um, you know, they had a grew at 18.5%. It was phenomenal. Um, but uh, the other sector, and those are the two big sectors that create jobs in our region. It's agriculture on the one side and tourism on the other side. And so we have about 300,000 jobs in the tourism sector. And uh, I think that sector the hardest hit. And the big problem that we've got is that, you know, a lot of it's based on international tourism. And we know that uh, that's going to take a year, a year and a half to recover. Um, so it really is um, a very difficult environment. And, uh, and the other part of tourism is that so much of tourism is SMME-based, small companies, little tour companies, uh, could be restaurants, it could be, you know, little bed and breakfast, it, it's the, it's the, the sort of, uh, taxi driver it's it's so integrated into our everyday lives and it's those small businesses that get the hardest hit they can't they can't uh, sort of mothball their business and wait until you know tourism picks up it's just not possible you've got to keep food on the table you've got uh, bills to pay so uh, we continue um, from the sort of higher level stuff uh, our, our air access team has really been working hard not saying well we're going to sit back because Flights are not happening, and uh, we're very happy that uh, they've got more flights into the system, international flights that have been agreed to, and also local uh, sub-Saharan African flights. Um, then I think it's it's over and above the small interventions because the other problem is that we can't just lay out money. There's just uh, the budgets are getting so constrained now um, that uh, we we have to go, come up with new ideas of supporting innovation in these industries, and I think. A lot of it is going to be towards how do we put a lot more focus on local tourism. Mm. So I think uh, in the past, and people have focused on the sort of, you know, the international funding coming in. Um, we've got to look at how we how we attract to our businesses uh, tourists from around South Africa, uh, mm. tourists around from around sub-Saharan Africa, and, and how do we we sort of really focus at uh, government level. Uh, along with the industry themselves on on saying what are the things that we need to do let's keep talking to each other let's make sure that we put great marketing campaigns together um let's create uh, cost effective um attractions that actually pull people uh, that perhaps uh, you know at the moment are also feeling the pinch mm. but at least get them to get them to spend their money in in our own environment let's uh, let's celebrate our own environment uh, this this side of the province we're out in a little little town called Genadendal and um, you know it's amazing to see uh, every time we go here or come here to Genadendal you learn more about this amazing little village and 
and uh, you know the role that it's played in our history and uh, it just blows your mind and how do you right. share that and by sharing it you create economic opportunity Premier, just before we let you go, also one of the other things that many were looking forward to, in fact, there were people that were writing articles, you know, predicting what it is that they would like you to touch on. And the one thing that you have touched on that many have asked you to do um, was housing opportunities in the Western Cape. In the last year, we saw land inversions, for argument's sake. We were talking about opportunities close to economic activity, mm. you know, and, and, and you've touched on that. You know, talk to us uh, through that. How are we going to achieve that in this year? So, um, I mean, uh, I ended off with the, with the invasion part, but but the the first part is how we get extra land available or available into the system. Um, so, our department, despite the, the strained uh, environment, uh, have been purchasing extra land. Uh, we've also been uh, assigning more land over from public works to to the department, uh, giving them the go ahead to start planning, and especially in CBDs. Uh, having a look at how we can find more land available. Um, also, some of the innovations. So it's not about just bricks and mortar because we've got to look at how we can build faster, more efficiently and more cost-effectively because, of course, the purse strings are very tight, the budgets are tight. Um, and uh, so I really did uh, celebrate all of those new innovations coming out of the, the housing department, uh, the, uh, making an online open uh, through an app system the the housing database renewing it um and i think that's where the land invasions come in is that people who are patient and i mean sometimes waiting for way too long uh, for a house on a housing list and now suddenly their opportunity is taken away because illegal land invasions take place mm. and uh, specifically on land that was earmarked and ready to go and now suddenly it's full of of illegal occupiers and uh, unfortunately also in the last year uh, due to the, the the lockdown regulations or the or the uh, disaster regulations no evictions can take place and so i think people have abused that and uh, that that really is taking away um, opportunity from people who've been waiting all this time and so we will continue to fight that in court we, we're in the high court on it at the moment to actually al- allow us to uh, remove people who are illegally occupied and then uh, I also just mentioned again, I mean, we've got uh, an amazing uh, opportunity to redesign and redevelop the Helen Bowden Nurses Home um, and uh, our, our Victoria, uh, our hospital site at uh, the Victorian Alfred uh, Waterfront. Um, I mean, I think if it's not the most, I think it's the most prime piece of land uh, on the African continent. And yeah, we as a government have got a big piece of land there, and we've got an opportunity to develop that piece of land in the interests of affordable and uh, access to housing opportunities right in the middle of the city. But now that piece of land has been illegally occupied, and uh, we're saying to the occupiers, please give us the chance to to redevelop this property in the interest of those people, those law-abiding people who are waiting for, for these pieces of land. Premier Alan Wendy, thank you for your time this morning on Breakfast 91.3 FM, talking to us and uh, just sharing feedback with regards to the State of the Province address, which took place yesterday. We're going to unpack this uh, more now after the news at 7.30 with Aniko Duplessis. When we speak to Cameron Dugmore, he is uh, from the uh, ANC in the Western Cape. And then also we're going to be speaking to a political analyst, Andrew Ihsan Hasnullah, will be speaking to us and just unpacking everything from a practical perspective, whether or not it was just lip service, is it something that can happen? And why it is that the president, Cyril uh, Ramaphosa, came into Alan Windy's backyard to come and get the jab here. We're going to be talking all about this until 8 o'clock this morning. This traffic report is brought to you by Alpha. This, this is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Samira Sheikh Yassar, only on the Voice of the Cape.
So 7.33 is where we're at this morning. We continue our discussion now over the state of the province address by Premier Alan Windy yesterday. And we've seen opposition parties criticise the Premier um, regarding the lack of detail in yesterday's SOPA as well. But joining us online this morning, ANC Western Capes, Cameron Dugmore. Good morning, Cameron. Good to be chatting. Thank you very much. Good morning to you and the listeners. So, of course, you know, finding some loopholes there in the SOPA yesterday, perhaps chatting to us and telling us a bit more in terms of your comment this morning. And thank you very much. As you know, um, hundreds of thousands were spent to take this uh, SOPA state of the province address into the rural community of the Overwood in Gnadendal. And what was expected by the surrounding communities, Tiervatus, Kroos, Swellendam, or Gallus, and the Overstrand, were practical proposals of investment in the area, infrastructure, um, and plans linked to budgets. And in fact, we saw nothing of that. And that is why we as the ANC have said that this, this attempt to take uh, the state of the province to a region is more about form than actual substance. And to make matters worse, when you spend that amount of money going into a community to talk about the state of the province, surely you need to create an opportunity for the local community leaders to actually speak to the Premier. And this was not done. The same happened in Mitchell's Plain SOPA last year, where I think $1.5 million was spent to host SOPA in Mitchell's Plain, but no community leaders were actually allowed to speak. So when you then talk about the state of the province, but you haven't listened uh, to the local community, you clearly don't get their priorities. In that community, for instance, Gnadendal, houses have not been built there since 2007, but the Premier was absolutely silent. So at the one level, we believe that the problem with the speech is that in terms of the affected communities, as you've indicated, there was no detail, no budgets attached, and no time frames attached to make a difference there. Then secondly, you know, the Premier often talks about the Western Cape being a clean government and being opposed to corruption. Yet there are serious allegations in all four um, of the municipalities in the Overberg. Swellendam, where the SIU has not concluded an investigation implicating the mayor, but the premise said nothing about that. Serious allegations about nepotism and cronyism and procurement fraud in Tevatus Cliff and did not say anything. So he talked at a certain high level, he, he bowed the speech as leading from the front. But the problem is when you talk about leading from the front, but you actually willfully ignore serious service delivery issues, inequality and corruption in a region like the Overbrook, I don't think you're going to be taking, taken seriously. And that's why I believe that the speech was very disappointing and not an inspiration at all to the local communities where the speech was held. I think a lot more focus was placed on the fact um, that, you know, the vaccine rollout commenced yesterday. And, of course, you know, the the four-pronged approach by the Western Cape Health in terms of the plan here for the vaccine. But having said that, you know, from last year's SOPA to this year, a lot has transpired. And I think uh, the bulk of it is the economic loss here in the Western Cape, especially when it comes to people and the job loss that they have suffered. I mean, uh, Premier Windy mentioned 270,000 people have lost their jobs. However, 37,000 new jobs have been created. You know, many have come through, especially in our WhatsApp line, you know, 
calling out the premier um, in terms of not doing enough, you know, economically reviving um, various sectors, especially the tourism sector. Yes, I think so. And I think what was interesting is that one of the industries that never closed during lockdown is the agricultural sector, because clearly there was a need for that sector to continue producing food. Now, in our province, and the Premier mentioned this yesterday, there were record exports um, of fruit, uh, citrus in particular. It was an incredible year. Now we have a situation where the workers um, who actually maintained and kept their jobs um, are the question that needs to be asked is to what extent did they benefit from that prosperity? And I think this is one of the issues that we believe is a problem because the, the, the party to which the Premier belongs, the DA, have actually a formal position against the minimum wage for farm workers. As you might know, the minimum wage currently is just over 3,500 rand. And the DA, the Premier's party, is proposing that it should be 1,800 rand. In other words, so when farm workers are part working with the owners of farms, to generate massive profits in regard to exports during lockdown. They are not the beneficiaries of that. And we believe that that kind of inequality is unacceptable. So, yes, there have been job losses, particularly in the sector like tourism, um, but there have been other sectors where, you know, they've maintained um, production levels through the lockdown, but the workers themselves have not benefited. And we believe as the ANC it's not just good enough to talk about jobs. And obviously our country as a whole has been affected. The Premier never speaks, and the DA never speaks about the ownership of the economy. People in this province who've historically been classified as coloured and African and Indian, if you look at the ownership patterns, just in agriculture in the overworld, less than 1% of farm agricultural land is owned by black South Africans, and I include all the the historically disadvantaged groups in that. So you talk about jobs, but not about the ownership of this economy, and that's how wealth and prosperity is absolute silence on that. Then also, Cameron, the one thing, morning, the one thing that also, um, you know, he was criticised for was uh, with regards to the housing um, issue here in the Western Cape, land grabs, land invasion and so forth. Uh, but some actually said that uh, Premier, Premier Alan Windy, he used the SOPA to basically attack organisations involved in the occupation of the Helen Bowden Nurses Home in Greenpoint, for example, you know, calling it illegal and immoral and corrupt. Do you think that enough was also placed on, or enough emphasis was placed on, you know, the lack of housing that we have and in terms of how that um, huge backlog will be streamlined faster. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's a very good point that people are raising. You would remember that the occupations which happened um, at Helen Bowden um, rose out of the fact that the then Premier Helen Zilla refused to make the Tafelberg School, which was being moved elsewhere, available for social housing for domestic workers in Seapoint, general workers. And that then sparked the anger which led to that. Then the, the DA lost the Tafelberg court case, and you might recall they were instructed to develop a plan to reverse apartheid spatial planning and come with a plan of land release. So the Premier now has not done that. As you know, they opposed the judgment. And yet he stands up yesterday in Kunago and wants to condemn those expressing land hunger. And let me say from the ANC point of view, we believe that things need to be done constitutionally. They need to be done according to the law. But if you don't present to people these other pieces of land available and actually release those pieces of land, you're going to create anger and frustration. And the Premier failed on that yesterday. He did not provide practical plans for land release, um, for human settlements, um, as well as um, other purposes like food security. And then he stands up and pontificates 
about this. I think that's unacceptable. You have to show leadership from the front. As right. he says, but now, he's not doing that. Just one last thing before we need to wrap up, Cameron, is the, is the one thing that, uh, you know, he also promised that the province would be the first in the country to beat load shedding via the Municipal Energy Resilience Project. Do you think that this is something that can be done? Um, I think in a way, you know, this is part of spin and without practical details. I think we should encourage municipalities who now, in terms of the amended regulations, can actually generate power. But it's not something that can happen like that. You've got to engage um, with ESCOM, you've got to look at the, the balance between renewables um, and other forms of energy. But I think we need to pursue energy re- resilience. We need to um, pursue renewables. So we would welcome those initiatives. They just need to be genuine and not confrontational with national. We need to work together on these on these issues. Well, let's leave it at that. Uh, Cameron Dugmore, ANC um, in the Western Cape. He's in the provincial legislature, of course, sharing comments with regards to the state of the province address. After the break, we're going to flesh it out a little bit more when we speak to Andrew Ihsan Hasnallah, who is a political analyst, to just look at some of the points also that was raised um, in SOPA yesterday. So don't go away. It's gone uh, 17 minutes to the hours to this. So. At this point, we want to talk to um, Andrew Sanhasnala, uh, who is a political analyst, just to sort of, you know, flesh things out a little bit more, things that could have come across as being, you know, uncertain, or what it is that we should have actually keep our focus on, and what were some of the interesting points that we should have also taken note of. So, uh, Andrew, assalamu alaikum, shukran so much for joining us on Breakfast 91.3 FM. There's a lot of things that many people are talking about at this point in time. They wanted the Premier to talk about, you know, the the, the lack of housing and, and so forth and he, and he spoke about that but what was also very interesting is that most of the speech was also you know looking at the procurement of the of our own vaccine here in the province um, on the day that the vaccines get rolled out here in the province with the uh, premier or president Cyril Ramaphosa and, and and the team here you know what were some of the key issues that you think we should have uh, kept our eye on well, uh, good morning to you. Assalamu alaikum to you and your listeners. I think, you know, I think unfortunately with all political speeches of this nature, and often it has become more political than anything else, it's, you know, defending our past record and sort of positioning ourselves uh, in a very positive light. And so I think obviously for the Premier, he was highlighting, you know, that job creation and opportunity was going to be a key part of his government's agenda for the year ahead. But I think the, and, you know, housing was touched on again and issues of access to housing, but that also appeared in previous states of the provinces. Um, yeah. I think one of the other interesting elements that he did raise, he spoke about, uh, you know, sort of a unified transport authority, mm. um, which as many people in Cape Town and many people in the province know accessing um, transport in this province is a bit of a nightmare and I'm referring in particular to things like rail, the pricing on you know minibus taxis and the bus system that doesn't always operate across the province and so I think those are interesting points but I think that the big challenge is even on the issue of access to housing and I think you know the official opposition um, in the province and its leader here made the point that uh, you know in Khanadendal where this uh, event took place and I call it an event uh, because you know we as taxpayers you are paying for it um, apparently you know from from their records no housing has been built in that area for 15 years Oh. Um, and so how do you create dignity and access when you talk about it, but you're not actually doing it? 
Mm, very interesting. There was also one other thing that a lot of people came out was is that they wanted to they wanted the premier to talk about youth, youth opportunities, job creation, all of that. You know, those are things that people also wanted him to talk about. A lot of analysts also sharing comments around that here in the Western Cape. But then he surprisingly announced, um, you know, the, the the launch of the Youth Safety Ambassador Program that's going to be launching in April, and it's going to be under the leadership of Minister Minister Fritz and the Department of Community Safety. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think from the MEC Fritz, who used to be in the portfolio of social development, there was quite a bit of activity around youth programs, you know, trying to get youth either inspired or motivated or into kind of these job programs. And it's not too dissimilar from what the presidency has run, you know, where they have about 200,000 young people now as teaching assistants and how you then create some sort of economic activity. So I think... You know, those are important steps, but holistically, if you think about it as a province, how are we reskilling our young people? How are we accessing new opportunities within the job market? And, you know, the government has a role to play in creating the space for it. Um, but I think, you know, it's similar to the approach around COVID, as you were saying at the start. You know, the country's procuring from, you know, from the National Health Department, they're procuring about 40 million doses of vaccines. And yet, you know, the Premier has time and time again reiterated that somehow the Western Cape is going to be doing something over and above beyond that. But the question is, you know, where's that money going to come from? How are they going to do it? You know, who are they working with? I think it's that level of specificity, um, you know, that a lot of people would like from a government. And I think on the housing issue, you know, previous promises was something like 10,000 housing opportunities. And they call it opportunities because it doesn't mean they're actually building 10,000 homes. Um, And that was addressed, you know, a year ago. But then between the the two departments being human settlements and the other one being transport and public works here in the province, that number somehow changed to 2,000 home opportunities. So I think there's a lot of detail that, you know, citizens in the province are entitled to. And then also, you know, the bigger question, you know, this kind of theatrical event taking that they make, you know, where they're spending almost quarter of a million rand on having an event in Hanadendal. Does that make sense in this current climate? Yeah. No. The, the, also, one of the other things was was on Monday. Was it Monday or Tuesday when we had when we heard about the taxi violence, you know, that took place in Belleville? Many and you were talking about this, you know, with regards to the transport transport sector. But they wanted the focus to be also a lot more in terms of you know commuter safety, as opposed to just having the transport opportunities. Do you think that he should have kept the focus there as well, just a little bit to uh, you know to to sort of just uh, set the pace basically for Albert Fritz? I think so. And, you know, I think also beyond just community safety, obviously there's a role for um, transport and public works in the province, you know, because it it plays a role in trying to manage and regulate the taxi industry, but also transport players in the province. And I think there is a there's an important element, you know, because a lot of commuters who are traveling do worry about their safety. You know, they might not worry specifically about taxi upon taxi violence, but they might worry about, you know, am I going to be robbed? Is it safe for me to walk at this time of the morning or this time of the night? And I think in our communities, it goes back to how do we structure our communities? So, you know, are we doing things around community safety, lighting? Um, or do we have visible policing, uh, both within the metro, but also in rural areas? And I think, you know, it was an opportunity for, for the Premier to outline the type of dignified services we're planning to implement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, maybe... Uh, you know, ordinarily some of that comes through in, in the detail in the weeks to come. 
but I agree with you, you know, especially given the fact that that's front of people's mind. And then also the cost of transport in the province, you know, where a lot of people are spending more than half their salaries and their wages and their income yeah. on actually getting themselves and their families around the city and the province. Right. Now, Andrew, I've got two more points before we need to wrap it up, and I've got three minutes to get through it. So if we can, if I can just ask you to share comment sure. on one of the things that you also spoke about, saying that the province will be the first in the country to beat load shedding via the Municipal Energy Resilience Project. Is this practical? Well, look, I think it's an important step, um, and it's not just happening in the Western Cape, but something Gauteng has been speaking about in Johannesburg as well, and obviously the municipality of Stellenbosch. I think it's important for cities and provinces where possible to introduce uh, alternatives to ESCOM. I think it's critical for the country, it's critical for the province, and for cities like Cape Town and Johannesburg. And I think it's an important step that we must explore uh, because the issues with ESCOM are far too structural um, to be fixed overnight. And I think, you know, once you have certainty about access, but also the pricing, because once you start introducing more competition, the pricing of electricity and, you know, the benefit, and I think what we must watch is, we must watch, uh, is our electricity price going to decrease yeah. on a month-to-month basis? So that's something we should look out for. Exactly, especially since now come, uh, I think, April, we'll be seeing a 15% increase in, in electricity um, tariffs. Lastly, um, uh, do you find it a bit um, surprising that uh, Premier, or rather President Saramaphosa and his team, comes all the way down to the Western Cape to have the jab taken here on the day that the state of the province address is being um, delivered? Uh, or is our health system just a lot more better? <laughs> I, look, I think there's obviously there's politics behind, you know, why you would why you would come to the Western Cape and make the point that a national, um, you know, procured vaccine is taken in the province. I think importantly, you know, seeing uh, our politicians taking the vaccine, particularly because there's some skepticism and some fears, I think it's important for us to do that. Um, and, you know, I think it's also important that it took place in a community, in a clinic, as opposed to, you know, in in what often happens, these very clinical and affluent hospital spaces that sometimes these things take place. So I think it was important, but I'm sure there was some politics behind why they decided to come to Kailicho yesterday. Let's leave it a lovely chatting to you, Andrew Isan Hasnullah, political analyst. I appreciate your time this morning. All of the very best. You go well, sir.